my beautiful creepsters. This is Shine. Now sit back and relax while our beautiful mistresses tell us a tale of murder, mayhem, and mystery. Enjoy your sinister sightings. I'm Carrie. And we are Paranormal Chicks. Sinister Sightings 49. And that intro was by Shine. Very spooky. Very sultry. Very sexy voice. And, like, I felt ultra cool that she was, like, mistresses. Yes. Of the night. Okay, she didn't say that, but. I mean, we are that's practically what she Elvira. I mean, that's, you know that's what she meant. Mm, totally. If only I had the boobs for Elvira. I got the boobs. They just hang low. (laughs) If you want to introduce a Sinister Sightings episode like Sean did and all the other amazing ones we've gotten, head on over to patreon.com slash the APC podcast. You know how in some of my stories in the old historic homes, it's like so-and-so smoked cigars, Mm -hmm. blah, 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 blah. And later on, when guests are there, they can smell smoke. Yeah. And so they're like... It's his cigar smoke. His presence is here. All of those things. It was like Miss Molly's Hotel, I think, did it. And another place in Texas. God, everyone in Texas. I don't know. But Creep Mom debunked it. Mm, of course she did. Of way course. to be Creep Mom. I know, because she knows it all. Like, not in a bad way. Like, no. Yeah, no, that's what, yeah. I totally yeah. don't mean that in a smart ass. Of course she does. No, I mean, like, no, of course she does. That's why she's Creep Mom. Exactly. And if y'all don't know, she's been a paranormal investigator for a while. Like, has a crew, all the things. She's a moderator in the Facebook group. She's the one that hosts the watch parties on Sundays for us. So, it was actually at one of the watch parties that we were watching something, and they said that, like, this, you know, like, if you smell this, that means he's there. And so, what she said is that wood paneling and floors will absorb the smoke from the pipe, cigars, cigarettes, etc. Well, later when the temperature changes, like the heat coming on or a warm day, it will warm up the wood, make it expand, and thus releasing the scent. Well, I'll be damned. Just kidding, I knew that. I was at the watch party. <laughs> Pretty fucking interesting, though. It really is. Which is why on like, all these shows that are like the you know ghost stories, I'm like... So much of this could probably be debunked, you know? Yeah. All right. Ready to get in? Yes, ma'am. Hi, ladies. It's Berlina. I know I just sent in a story, but I wanted to share my Slender Man stories with you. Oh, fuck. So about seven years ago, back when I was in high school, my friend Stephanie invited me over to her house. Her parents were out of town, and we were hanging out with a mutual friend, Eric. He brought some weed and asked if we wanted to smoke. Stephanie had never smoked, so I was excited to be there for her first time. We peer pressured her into smoking, and we had a good time. After, we were feeling the effects and started joking around when we noticed how red our eyes were. We all ran to look in the mirror when my left eye moved back and forth in the socket. I was like, what the fuck? Did everyone see that? And they did. So I was tripping out, and we thought it was funny, and we all fell to the floor and felt the room spinning. Like, we literally had to hold on to the floor. It was so weird. 
But again, we got up like nothing happened and thought it was so hilarious. That's when we all went to the living room and Eric and Stephanie saw Slenderman right outside the sliding glass door. They were just watching him and asking each other if they were looking at the same thing. They both described him as tall, slender, obviously, no face, long arms, and wearing a black suit. Meanwhile, I'm sitting on the couch and watching the movie Bridesmaids and eating chips. That's what I'd be doing. I mean, we don't call you the chimp monster for nothing. Right? They kept asking me if I saw him, and I looked out the window and didn't see anything. I didn't know who he was at the time, so I feel like that's why I didn't see him. After that incident, my friend Eric sent me a YouTube link to a whole Slenderman documentary, and it scared me so bad till this day. So maybe a month after I watched the video, I had sleep paralysis for the first time ever in my life. I was laying in bed, and I, quote, woke up to Slenderman hunched over in my room. His legs were as tall as the door, and his back was touching the ceiling, and his head was in front of my face. All I could see of his face was angry eyebrows, and his hands were on my neck, choking me. I couldn't breathe, and I finally snapped out of it, and he was gone. And I could feel my throat sore, like if I was choking in my sleep. That was the first and last time I ever saw him. Thanks for reading. Love your podcast. Just had to send in this story after listening to episode 21. Oh, shit. It almost sounds like there was something not just weed in there. Right, yeah. Like, they, they were, like, spinning. I mean, not that I'm, like, a weed weed spurt. <laughs> weed expert, is that a thing? Sure. Not that I'm, like, a, the end-all, be-all on weed, but I feel like, is that normal? Question mark? I don't know, but that is, like, one, how you don't like your teeth falling out in dreams? Eyes. You know. Mm-mm. If I saw my eye moving back and forth in my socket, I'd be done for. Also, I never want to see Slender Man. Because yeah. those pictures that, I mean, like, I know are fake, it was built on a whole fake thing, but those are, like, the freakiest pictures ever. Well, and again, it may have started fake, but to some it's real, you know? Well, yeah. Creep Mom, again, she told me something, maybe it's, like, a tulpa, tulpa, where it's something that started out fake, but then it became... A real thing, mm-hmm. a real whatever. And I'm. it's going to be an episode. Obviously, I haven't started researching it yet. But anyway, like, that is a thing. Yeah. Hi, y'all. First and foremost, I love you guys. So open and affirming. And I live to hear you both laugh. Oh, my God. I think Carrie's laugh is the best. And, y'all, Tiffany has, like, 20,000 laughs. Mm-hmm. One of which is her fake one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I say it's like a snake. That's how she fake laughs at us. And I'm like, don't fake laugh me. Mm-hmm. So this happened in 1995. I'll preface it with, I have a healthy obsession with the Goodyear blimp. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, did I write this? I love a fucking blimp. Like if I see something in the sky, I'm like, oh my God, is that a blimp? What is that for? What's going on? Like, look. That is not where I thought that sentence was going. <laughs> me either. But me and Tiffany have legit been driving. And this isn't a blimp, but it's, you know, those lights when it's like, come in attraction. And they're like, woo. Mm-hmm. We've seen them in the sky. And we're like, I wonder where that is. And we've like tried to follow them. And it's like, that has such a big throw radius. What? Yeah, you can't find those. Mm-mm. I mean, we did. And it was like a car lot. We're like, what the fuck? I mean, while we're here, might as well look around. 
Okay, so Goodyear blimp. Love it. (laughs) My husband at the time and I were driving about three in the afternoon and we were both stone sober. I confess I have a history of smoking a little the devil's lettuce. (laughs) It's devil's lettuce. Weed. Oh. oh my god! But she's a weed spurt. I said I'm not a weed spurt. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> okay, so I didn't know it was the devil's lettuce either until I was in that jury pool, and I told you I had like that really cool defense attorney, mm-hmm. and he like slid across the table. And he was like, I mean, it would have been cool. If I was Matthew McConaughey and that was a car. Yeah. You know, and he was talking about, because his his defendant was caught with weed. And so he's like, I mean, we've all had a little wacky back tobacky. Wacky backy? Yeah. The devil's lettuce. The blah, blah, blah. And I was like, like, I just was, I don't know. I was like such a dork. But I'm like, he's funny, right? And everyone else is like, just get me out of here. <laughs> you know what I'm like? <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, yes. Like, he's funny. This is funny. But I love that you're like, what's the devil's <laughs> Like, she said stone sober. What did you think it was? Uh, I didn't. I mean, like, Avi, I knew it was some sort of drug, but I had no idea. <laughs> devil's lettuce. <laughs> now, that's a salad I could partake in. <laughs> but not this time. It was a clear blue sky, an absolute beautiful day. Well, as we're driving past the now defunct Silver Dome in Michigan, I see what I immediately think is the Goodyear blimp. Large, silver, cigar-shaped craft. No noise that we could hear. And it was in the general direction of the Silver Dome, so that made total sense for it to be there. I start bouncing around and pointing while driving. Ooh, blimp! Look, look! (laughs) And amazingly, this man that has missed every other thing I've ever pointed out the next 19 years we were married looks up to see it. Just then, the, quote, blimp banks to the left and takes off to the right. Gone. Just gone. Well, that shut my mouth. I'm holding on to the steering wheel, mouth agape. Did you see that? Was all I could muster. Yep. Was all he could manage. And we didn't talk about it again in five years. We are talkers by nature. We're divorced now, but we can still shoot the shit for hours on end. Okay, did, like... Did future me write this? (laughs) But that was so solidly and in your face, that was not a blimp. Planes don't move like that. It was unidentified and not of this world. No debate, not for me. This happened in the days before the internet, but years later, I found a site that documents UFO sightings. And the best I can remember is it happened sometime in 1995 springtime. And the site I found had a lot of pinpoints i.e. sightings, in southeast Michigan at that time. So that's my UFO story. Hope you liked it. I have ghosty stories that I'll make sure to send now that I figured out how to email you, Sarah. Oh my God, Sarah. Totally a UFO. But like when you said it was a silver blimp, I was like, well, are there silver blimps? But clearly not. I don't know. That's so crazy. Well, and blimps don't move fast. Maybe it got taken away by the wind. I mean, I think they're built to not do that. I have no idea. Well, Sarah, I'm also glad you figured out how to email us. If anybody else doesn't know, send us your stories, aparanormalchicks at gmail.com. And we read them in the order that we get them. 
and we're in October of 2019 right now. Okay, here goes the next one. Okay, this one says, very long, worth the read. The twisting tales of the flying fried chicken, the Malibu murder, and the army of Eustace and Muriel. Not in that order. Hey girls, just gotta say that I fucking love y'all. I have searched and searched for a podcast that's right down my creepy little alley, and I'm so glad it's you. Donna, your podcast recs are legit, but you're still my number one in my heart and my Spotify. So I've been listening out of order, and I find myself yelling at no one when I'm driving to and from work, and I have the answer to the spiel that Carrie had about the yellow dinosaur from Barney, and his freaking name is PJ. I was obsessed with Barney as a little baby child. I yelled so much, and somehow, I roll shrug emoji, you did not hear me. (laughs) Now that I have spoken my piece, I shall continue. This is very long, and you could choose to admit a few of these, but I've included three stories. The first is a palate cleanser about my two favorite extra-large pizzas. Not y'all, my mama and my sissy. Actually, little cousin, but Bible Belt Grown takes a village, blah, blah. And two of... My literal thousands of creepy slash true crime experiences. My name is Dana, like Hannah, but Dana. I'm from Central Eastern Kentucky, or as I like to call it, the belt buckle of the Bible belt. And there's lots of wild shit that goes on around these parts. With the meth, the Native American history and all, surprisingly, none of those things have anything to do with my stories. At least I don't think. For starters, or maybe second breakfast since I'm a long-winded bitch, I'm an empath and have been very sensitive since I was a child. I have a sort of pull to odd objects with a sordid history and am surprisingly good at oddly specific prophetic jokes and dreams that I will tell you at a later time. That is, if you'll still have me by the time you get through this. Story number one, the Malibu murder. So we'll start with a true crime ditty for Carrie. So a while back, I worked at a bar in Lexington, Kentucky, that was part of a shopping center in a shishi part of town. Real fancy folk that had money to spend on $13 beers and horse races on weekdays. It's away from downtown, but still walking distance. More than I would actually walk myself. (laughs) I mean, same. So walking distance to some middle-income apartments that were, at best, top-notch in the mid-90s. These particular apartments are the scene of my true crime story. Our bar manager, let's call him Richard, lived in these apartments and walked to work on days when he didn't have a ride. It was a busy weekend and everyone was slammed. I went between working in the kitchen and bar backing and had been so freaking busy I didn't notice that Richard hadn't made it to work. We were too busy to stop and care. He was probably outside drinking and mingling with the guests as one does. So we finished out the Friday without him and the next day he comes in tells us that he was leaving for work when he was questioned by the police about a dismembered body found in his apartment complex dumpster. Spoiler alert, Richard was not involved or harmed. He goes on to tell us that a neighbor of his was taking out the trash and reported a horrible stench came from the dumpster and the other neighbors had reported suspicious activity to the police. When the police showed up, they started near the residence of the victim and her boyfriend. The police quickly located part of the victim, Haley Burgess, in the dumpster with the stench and the rest of her in a separate dumpster. Haley and her jack wagon boyfriend, Patrick Jones, had previously gotten EPOs on each other, then dismissed them days slash weeks after. 
They were constantly fighting and police were no stranger to their residence. Apparently, Haley and Patrick were in a heated exchange when he beat her with a, quote, household item, killing her with a blunt force hit with, I guess, whatever was laying around. He didn't stop there. He chopped her body in several bits, decapitating her and chopping off her hands and feet. Police were able to identify her based on a tattoo on one of her many pieces. Oh, God. The investigation basically took all day, so the whole apartment complex called Malibu Manor was required to stay put until authorities figured their shit out. Patrick's official indictment included murder, tampering with physical evidence, and abuse of a corpse in connection with a homicide investigation. Whew. Whoa. Well, glad your boss wasn't involved, though. In any way, safe, you know, that he was safe, too, not just... Oh, God. Okay, story number two. The lollipop army of Eustace and Muriel. Like from Courage the Cowardly Dog. So after the passing of my father in 2011, I moved from Kentucky to Florida, wild-ass place, and then up to Massachusetts. While in Kentucky, I was part of a paranormal team for about eight years and had played recreational softball. I wonder if you put those on your, like, dating profile as your hobbies. Recreational softball and the paranormal. Yeah. I mean, well-rounded. I steal bases and I see ghosts. And I'm going to steal your heart. Ooh. Mm-hmm. I moved to Mass by myself, moved two blocks away from the home slash site of the motherfucking Craigslist killer, yes, bitch, without even realizing, to an apartment, I mean trap house, that I found as a weekly rental on, you guessed it, fucking Craigslist. Spoiler alert, I'm a survivor. Hashtag Destiny's Child didn't raise no bitch. (laughs) I love this. (laughs) Freaking funny. Thankfully, I was only there until my actual apartment was ready. Being there alone, I decided to search for a few things to fill the void. Found a softball team who were not murderers or crazy people, but were very loving and would even talk to my mom on the phone during games just to let her know they are keeping me safe. My only next step was to find a new paranormal team, and I did so in Phil and Kelly. They were super awesome, a great couple, and insane paranormal experts and investigators. They were creepy to the max, but in all the good ways. Kelly is a medium, and y'all, I did not believe in mediums until I met a real one. She always knew when I needed to get out of the creepy-ass apartment that would cause my roommate and I to fight constantly. One night, Kelly took me on a drive to the place where Phil proposed to her. Now, I'm the kind of paranormal junkie who is tough in groups, a guinea pig for testing out rickety-ass floors, buildings, old train depots, fences, etc. I found my kryptonite in a Shaker Cemetery in wherever the fuck Massachusetts. Harvard, I think. Maybe Mount Air. Who knows? Bitches ain't going back. And by bitches, I mean me. Kelly and I take a damn near two-hour drive out there and picture it. We cross a train track that is going diagonal of the road and continue straight down this windy-ass, no lines in sight, trees curve like a damn Stephen King movie to form a tunnel down the road, letting in crisp, cool air of New England and all its old gruesome, haunted glory. I can literally picture that. Yes, We're in my Kia Sportage and sitting up high enough that it shouldn't feel like the trees are nimble fingers reaching out for us, but it totally does. 
it suddenly becomes foggy and the trees thicken so little moonlight is available to my four eyes and Kelly senses that I'm internally freaking the fuck out. Y'all, my shit is sideways and we ain't even there yet. To calm me, she says, if it makes you feel better, you don't have to turn the car off or get out if you don't want. To be honest, we probably won't have to. Yeah, girl, real reassuring. At this point, I'm creeping real as hell, but I'm scared as fuck. We go about another 2.5 miles up this road and have almost made a big U around the tunnel trees and this, what I can only assume from an aerial view, Florida-shaped farm, sands, water, enter Stephen King trees. They lighten up and we come to a clearing where the fog is oddly settling around this field off to the right of the road. We pull over and you can see a busted up brick stone entrance where I'm sure a grand gate used to stand. And there are a good amount of headstones and markers scattered through this field indicating an 18th-ish century graveyard plot. Directly to the left of the plot is the Shamley leftovers of derelict stone building. My hand is on the door and Kelly is in the passenger seat, leaned back so I could get a clear view. It's kind of cold, so the heat made the windows foggy, and I rolled down the passenger window for a better view, working out the math in my head of ditches and potential trip hazards slash escape routes if I decide to get out. Well, we were there maybe four minutes, not even a whole ass five, and the first thing I see walking to the front from the furthest left corner of the plot up to the ruined brick gate bases is what I can only describe as the couple from the American Gothic painting. You know, the farmer and his Lizzie Borden looking ass wife with the pitchfork, which I always say that word in a Shrek accent. If they had somehow morphed into the old people from Courage the Cowardly Dog. I don't know who that is. Me neither, but it sounds like something I should know because it sounds like Wizard of Oz-ish stuff. The woman is on the right and the man is on the left. He is much taller and she is all hunched over, but I don't want to fuck with her. As I'm fixating on them, my eyes have adjusted to the darkness and the fog begins to take the shape of children. Raggedy, forlorn children of all ages, sizes, and sexes. I am in awe. I blink. The fog army is now 20 feet closer and the woman is in the lead. Her hair is messy and her face is full of anguish. She looks like she's going to fuck us up just so she can get some goddamn peace and quiet. And the man is like lurchy and casually grinning like he's going to enjoy watching what comes next. I blink again and they are another 20 to 30 feet closer. Mind you, these gate base things are only like a meager 10, maybe 12 yards from my car. I'm not sure what the math is on the feet to yards thing in a moment like this. And I get chills when I recount this event. So bear with me or math if your brains work with numbers. Mine does not. I'm shaking. I absolutely fear fart. Like fire them off a few in a row. The tight poppy ones indicative of end of the times and Kelly just chuckles. Oh my God. I call those like the walking farts. That's what happens to me. 
She's absolutely loving this. And she breaks a silence and says, do you see them? Like, bitch, are you kidding me? I have never seen anything more clearly in my life. And I get new glasses every fucking year. Yes, I see them. So in my panic, I am ready to bolt, but I want more. I stick it out another minute or so and blink again because I literally do not believe my eyes. Now the woman is outside of the stone brick gate base thingy and the children and the man are lined up behind her. They are packed in so tightly that I'm now second guessing whether or not I have what it takes to be a ghost hunter and instantly make peace with the fact that I have had almost three 11th birthdays and have not gotten one single Hogwarts letter and I say okay I'm good and girl we legit skirted up out of there as we were driving away I am breathing harder than I do when I run and I got some tiggle bitties weighing me down (laughs) oh my god (laughs) your writing is hilarious (laughs) I reach for my smokes and light one up, try to legit roll down my automatic window and just cannot even. Can you just picture her like, oh, hit the button. When I safely feel we're out of range, I park in the middle of the road. And the first thing I start to say is, you seriously got engaged back there, you creepy bitch. But it's interrupted by a train whistle. What? And Kelly smiles again. Lighthearted and laughing, I do not want to kill this bitch. And I jokingly ask if the train is part of that too. She says, no, but they are part of the train story. And I'm like, this bitch. So she tells me the history of the lovely little place called Lollipop, which I later found out was because of the iron grave markers placed during the 1850s by the last few members of the Shaker community. Long ago, the land was mostly occupied by Shaker families and settlements. There was some rubble remaining off to the side of the cemetery, and it was the remnants of a school-slash-meeting house built for the Shaker community there. Apparently, the man and woman helped look after the children as they were too old and feeble to pull their weight elsewhere. Being elders, they were revered and respected, so naturally, the parents of these kids trusted them, but... Maybe they shouldn't have. History here is unclear. Well, I guess as the poor living conditions of the time and the abuse suffered at the hands of the authorities, lots of the parents of these kids died under horrible circumstances. It's rumored that before their death, the man and the woman taught the kids how to defend themselves and or flee in the event of a raid, which occurred frequently. I'm unsure how each of these figures that I witnessed died, but the rumor mill is bountiful for theories. The train she is talking about does not run on those tracks anymore, and to be honest, much of the history has been lost to me. I know people report hearing phantom train whistles and sounds, and the site of the old station is not far from Lollipop. I do know that on average, the Massachusetts commuter rail shuts down at least three to four times a year due to attempted suicide by moving locomotive. What I can say with certainty is the foggy masses at Lollipop felt vengeful and their Ripley, believe it or not, ass vibes were searing through my bones. Even though it's a rite of passage to go to Lollipop, This experience still makes my leg hair grow and my heart drop to my knees when I think about it. 
Holy crap. What? That was a that was a ride. Whew. I certainly don't want to go there. No. And fuck Kelly. <laughs> Warn his sister. Whew. Tell me Fog is gonna turn into fucking creepy children. I right? Uh-uh. Uh ma'am, I need a trigger warning. Mm-mm. Was she testing you to be a part of her club? Ooh. And they got fucking engaged there? Okay, story number three. Two extra-large pizzas, some fried chicken, and a nonstop flight to Orlando. All right, so this is my palate cleanser. It's fucking hilarious and has absolutely nothing to do with true crime or the paranormal unless bringing leftovers on a plane is a crime and you count the TSA x-rays as paranormal. Oh, my God. Already, I'm in love. So, I'm living in Florida at the time, and my mama and sissy come down to visit. It's an hour and 20-minute flight from Lexington to Orlando, and sis had never flown before. I live with my cousins in Palm Bay and have stories about our weird shit later, which is 45 minutes away from Orlando, where I was working at the time. My mom, Paula, and sister Erica, yes, those are their real names, they are totes fine with sharing the story and accept all laughs and glory. So, they take an evening flight, so I'll have time to get off work and come pick them up. They pack light and prepare for a long weekend. My papa cooked supper that night and told my mama to take me some leftovers. Without a second thought, like, hey, my damn kid is four states away, she does. So picture it. Two extra large pizzas embark to the airport with home fried gifts of love on their way to visit me. As they get to the baggage check with their bags, they don't have a damn clue what's about to go down. They get through TSA and place their bags down blissfully unaware because they ain't smuggling shit to the grins and giggles of the TSA agents who are slowly gathering to the scan machine. It appears that the bag belonging to my mama and its contents are causing quite a stir. As the workers look up at the girls, they notice that the girls are of a larger persuasion and come to a quick, stereotypical, but absolutely accurate determination that the bag must belong to them. (laughs) Still oblivious, my mama and sissy are standing there waiting, twiddling their thumbs. The TSA agents usher the girls through with slighted grins on their faces. The backpack contents that were just blasted with x-rays are as follows. Four pieces of Paw Paw BJ's fried chicken, two loaves of Maw Maw Peggy's banana nut bread, a gallon Ziploc bag of Cheez-Its, and a gallon Ziploc bag of Kit Kats. That sounds amazing. The flight was delayed, and being Erica's first time flying, Mama, a.k.a. Paula, packed snacks to ease her nerves. Mama is a wannabe snowbird, so she's pretty good at packing, and knowing that the flight is quick but can feel long, she always puts her snacks up front. Well, Erica is getting nervous, so Mama, a.k.a. Paula, because I'm listening to Paula versus Gertrude as I write this, <laughs> opens her backpack to get the Kit Kats, and as she did, the aroma of freshly fried chicken filled the cabin. People start to murmur and look around. Then suddenly, the girls look at each other with that oh shit look, and it dawns on them that the giggles from the TSA workers were undoubtedly a direct response to their bag. Y'all know those workers went home and were telling their friends and family about them girls with the fried chickens in their carry-ons. They are probably still laughing at the x-ray views of leftovers and snacks. 
My mama said, you already know them big girls ain't about to starve. And that's pretty much our life motto. They landed safely. And even though I drove to the wrong airport and got one less piece of chicken by the time I arrived to the right one, I got my leftovers and they were still warm and crispy. Thank you so much for the laughs and the stories, creepy vibes, and hopefully for reading this long-winded spooky shit. Still holding it down and planning on sending in more tales from Dan Hamal's crypt. Creep up the good good, you wonderful, beautiful, spooky bitches. Love, Dan Hamal. I didn't think you could take food through TSA. What year was that, I wonder? I don't know. But that's some funny shit. Oh my gosh. <laughs> okay, here's the next one. Hey girls, I absolutely love your podcast and look forward to your episodes every week. I've been wanting to write in for a long time now, but have not had the guts to do it. I have a not-so-fun haunted house story for you. The summer before I entered third grade, we moved to a new tiny little town in the middle of nowhere, Washington State, and into a house where our closest neighbor was a few miles away. Right away when we moved in, I started hearing someone running past my window every night, and I could tell it was a person as the footfalls were too heavy to be a deer or a coyote. I'm impressed that you would even know, oh, well, that's not a coyote. That would not be my first thought. Footfalls? That's a good word. (laughs) Of course, my parents did not believe me as they never heard it or saw any footprints outside. Things soon started to escalate, and I could not walk into the kitchen without the constant feeling of being watched. I couldn't stand having my back to the open area of the kitchen and constantly would turn around expecting someone to be right behind me. Being home alone was always an awful and terrifying experience. I would gather up snacks and sit in the living room until my parents or brother would get home, occasionally hearing the kitchen door slamming when I knew for certain no one was there. Hmm. Nothing can get me to walk around the house while I was alone. Things had seemed to have been targeted around me, and one morning, I woke up with a bite mark on my arm in the spot that could not have been from me. Oh, my God. It was a small bite, like a child's. Oh, fuck no. The activity was not just inside. My brother and I were playing outside one time, just running around, doing kid things, and I happened to look over towards the barn and saw a little boy and girl holding hands and walking into the barn. They were wearing what looked like old-timey clothes. The girl was wearing a white, flowy nightgown. For the longest time, I couldn't talk about our years in that house without getting chills and my eyes filling up with tears. Once we moved out, my mom finally confided in me about what she had experienced there. She never had any of the awful feelings, but she had seen the little girl standing in the barn, heard someone knock three times on a wall in the middle of the night, And her last time in the house, making sure we had everything, she heard the kitchen door slam. Sort of a farewell from whatever was there. She and I think it was possibly demonic given the fact that it would show itself as children and the three knocks mocking the Holy Trinity. My mom had done some research on the house and couldn't find anything about people dying there or any reason for a haunting. The house we lived in next had some activity too, but I'll save that for another email as this one is way too long already. Creep it real and don't get scared, Lacey. Oh my gosh. And the email is not too long. No, it wasn't. The story was freaky as fuck. Mm-hmm. Also though, all I can think about was, there's a hole in my bucket, dear Eliza, dear Eliza. I sang that song today at work. Oh my God, I said it, what's today, Monday? Hey, I said it Friday at work. And legitimately, people were like, I don't know that song. 
my boss, my VP knew it. And I was like, wait, you know that song? And he was like, doesn't everyone? I was like, no. no. <laughs> <laughs> I sang it and I was like, I don't know what's next. And so we Googled the lyrics because I was saying, I was thinking it was, she was, it was Jimmy, but it, it's Henry. Yeah. That's so weird that that literally just came up yeah. today. I'm originally from a town called Pawnee, Oklahoma, and it's mainly a Native American town of probably around 2,000 people and two stoplights. Well, growing up, there is a story about this old abandoned house out on tribal land. It used to be a dorm for boys that went to the boarding school there. Once the boarding school closed down, they turned these buildings with dorms into houses. There is one house in particular that a family once lived in, and the father was an alcoholic. He got drunk and killed the whole family, including himself, and people have said if you walk up on this porch that you will hear a girl or a woman scream, and if you go to get back in your car, your car won't start. There were also some business owners in town that had bought the home and they could not keep anyone working to remodel the house because there were complaints of tools going missing and being thrown or moved across the rooms. There are also some other buildings I have been in that I have felt things I can't see, but nothing harmful. My grandma's store was also haunted. It had a third floor, which used to be apartments, that you had to share like a bathroom and stuff with your neighbors, but the first floor going to the second floor had a spiral staircase, and you could hear someone walking up and down the spiral staircase, and our floors squeaked when someone walked across them, and sometimes you could hear someone walking at the front of the store and someone walking upstairs. The spirit that would walk up and down the spiral staircase in the front of the store never bothered us too much. It was more active on Sundays than anything, but when I would go up to the third floor where we stored all of our holiday and seasonal stuff, I always got a very uneasy feeling and felt unsafe and always had the urge to cry. When we first moved our store to that building, we were storing stuff on the third floor and towards the front of the building, which technically would have been the back apartment. We found a room that had been boarded up and there was a bed that was perfectly made in a room that was just clean like someone had gotten up one morning and left and never made it home. The odd thing is I never felt threatened or uneasy unless I was on the third floor and the feeling only got worse the further down the hall you went through the apartments. I thought I did see someone in the reflection of a window in the apartments one time, but when I took a second glance, nothing was there, and I was too far for it to be my own reflection. Holy Hannah. Wowza. Uh-uh. But uh, also, Spiral Staircase sounds amazing. However, going up it, whew, that's a lot. And going down it, because, uh-uh. I don't know if I can see my feet going down it with my belly or something. I don't know. I don't. Spiral staircases scare me. Yeah. I my dad's office that he used to work at had one, and I like and it like went literally straight up, which I think Ooh, they all do. Yeah. But like, it, how are you going to curve a spiral staircase? But you get the point. But it like I was like, <laughs> and he did fall down him one time. <laughs> yes. Okay, we're changing it up, and even though I read the last one, I'm going to read this one because it's an ambient story, and I like for Donna to just laugh. Okay. Okay. Hey, ladies, I have an ambient story for you. 
I've had lots of not-so-fun insomnia since childhood. In fact, my mom taught me how to read clocks after discovering that I had been waking my little sister up at 2 a.m. all the time to play. Bless it. That sounds like me just to be like, hey, you know what I was thinking? Blah, 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 blah. Would you rather this or this? Yes, that's so you. And I go, Donna. Uh huh. <laughs> and then start snoring. Mm hmm. Ambien on its own may as well have been a sugar pill for me. I would take a 12.5 milligram extended release tablet, lay awake for an hour before finally falling asleep, and then take another 5 milligram of regular Ambien when I inevitably woke up in the middle of the night. I do not recommend that anyone ever do that. All I can say is that I was absolutely desperate for sleep. Oh, gosh. Enough babble. Here's the actual story. I had six about 11 years ago. You're awake for the procedure, so they give you a Valium beforehand. The nurse also gave me a little stuffed dog to hold, and I was pretty bummed when she took it back from me after the procedure was over. <laughs> they also give you a prescription for Ambien so you can sleep right away when you get home. It helps the healing process for your eyes to stay closed and you're knocked out for the most uncomfortable part. We picked up the prescription and I took the tablet immediately so it would kick in by the time I got home and finished lunch. Well, with the volume in my system, it kicked in pretty quickly. My mom made me some lunch, which I ate all hunched over like fucking Gollum with my hoodie over my head and raved, this is the best macaroni and cheese I have ever eaten. <laughs> my precious. Literally some craft white cheddar shells. Very good, but my grandma would have been heartbroken to hear that. My mom also mentioned that she'd made ice cream cookie sandwiches. I'm talking homemade chocolate chip ice cream and chocolate chip cookies. Y'all. Oh my goodness. Seeing how loopy I was, she suggested eating after I woke up. I remember bargaining with her, and we agreed I ate half now and half later. But then another wave of drugged up hit me, and I admitted I just needed to sleep. I remember her helping me up to my room, and I passed the fuck out. I woke up three hours later because even that winning cocktail couldn't keep me down. I went to the kitchen, mouth-watering, and told my mom I was excited to eat my chocolate chip ice cream cookie. She stared at me for a few moments and said, Honey, you already did. No, you talked me out of it. Well, I tried to, and you told me you'd eat half, so I cut it in half for you. By the time I turned around from rinsing the knife, the whole thing was gone. <laughs> and she said that she was like, Well, I thought better of it, and I didn't eat any of it. <laughs> Damn, that thing must have been even better than the mac and cheese, but sadly, that memory is gone forever. <laughs> Love you and your amazing podcast. Having the listener episodes every week is so great. Thanks for all you do. Cream it real, Lauren. Oh my goodness. That is the worst. You know, like to be like, I'm ready for my dessert. Uh, you already had it? Oh my like, God, yes. No, my, my dessert belly's ready. The worst thing ever is to have your taste buds set for something and then you go to eat it and it's gone. Mm -hmm. Like, that's the fucking worst. Uh-huh. When I'm like, oh, I won't go get lunch because I have pizza. And then my mama let somebody else eat it. <laughs> y'all. Her mama's been dead five fucking years, y'all. Bitter party of one. This Donna don't look. <laughs> it was my pizza and I was so excited. <laughs> y'all don't fucking cross Donna. <laughs> When it comes to food. 
She don't ever forget. No. Y'all, these stories were amazing. Thank y'all so much for sending them all in. Keep them coming. Send them to aparanormalchicks at gmail.com. Yes. Send us all the creepy shit. We love creepy shit kids do. Funny shit kids do. I mean, because you know they funny, but they creepy. <laughs> Sometimes at the exact same time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. True crime for Carrie, which you did have in this one. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't have to be murder. It can be like anything. Yeah. I almost got kidnapped. I was going to say a bank robbery. God, got money on my mind. Yeah, anything. I mean, like, it can even be like those instances where you're like, something bad could have happened, mm-hmm. but it didn't. Because those are still freaking scary. Mm-hmm. We want to hear all of them. Ambien, keep that coming. Please. Donna could end every single one of these episodes with them. Oh, my God. It's so freaking funny. Or any other sleep medicine. I don't know. Is there a Lunesta still? Does that make you do funny stuff? I don't know. I don't know. Well, all we do know is we want them to keep coming. One more time, aparanormalchicks at gmail.com. And remember, creep it real and and don't don't get scared. scared.